Good morning, everyone. So I'll give some instructions on the theme today, and then we'll meditate together. Over breakfast, I was telling my partner about this theme that we're doing, and he said, this may be the most liberating teaching in all of the Buddhist canon. So you ready? (laughs) It's a good one. It's also so deceptively simple. So just like we've been in the body and the breath and sound as the first foundation of mindfulness, mindfulness of the body, The second foundation is also simple, but it might be very new to some of you. So we call this feeling tone. Or in the Pali, it's Vedana. And Vedana, the reason why we say feeling tone is it's not really about emotions. It's the hedonic valence of every moment. So I'll explain. There are only three types of Vedana, three feeling tones. So in any given moment, you might be feeling pleasant, you might be feeling unpleasant, or you might be feeling something that's neither pleasant nor unpleasant. Sometimes we call that third one neutral. So this is quite an observation when we start to see how every moment carries this valence. It carries something pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. Every moment. Most of the time we're not paying attention to this. We're feeling this push towards the pleasant, away from the unpleasant, and we're ignoring what's neutral. And we're just doing that without really noticing. But if you think back to even your morning so far, maybe you took a shower and that was pleasant. It's pleasant Vedana. Or sitting and watching the rain, like the clouds, layers of clouds move by. The pleasant Vedana in seeing the green and the tiny drops, feeling the drops on your face, pleasant. But then it was windy, And maybe the wind felt cold and it was unpleasant. And then there's all the things that we just don't notice because it's not pleasant or unpleasant. Like maybe right now the feeling in your hands. You might notice a kind of neutral feeling tone. Or in the elbows. Maybe there's neutral feeling tone. And as we start to observe these, their liberating power is that often there's a sequence of connecting with an object, whether it's a sensation or a thought or an emotion, and we feel the hedonic tone of it, whether it's pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, then we react. We want something pleasant, we push away the unpleasant, and we just space out if it's neutral. So we're driven by this. Moment by moment by moment. 
One of our teachers, Biko Analeo, talks about it's like being pushed by the wind. But we don't really know that's happening, so we're just caught in this getting or not getting or ignoring. But when we start to pay attention, we're creating a little bit of space to then just be with the Vedana, with the feeling tone, and not go to the next step of craving or clinging. So we're cutting the cycle, the very important step where we cut the cycle from feeling tone into craving. We don't have to do it. So as Tuari was saying last night, we can really be with whatever is happening. We're okay. Cold, warm, unpleasant, pleasant. We're building this steadiness of mind that can greet the pleasant and the unpleasant without leaning into or pushing away. And right there in that space is the freedom. Right there in the space is the freedom. So we'll do a meditation focusing on these hedonic tones. And then the invitation is throughout the day to notice How are we with pleasant and unpleasant? And what are we not noticing that's neutral? And is there a growing sense of mindfulness of these without the immediate tumbling forward into or pushing away against? Moment by moment can become very subtle. As we pay attention, the moments get really fast. So you might be pleasant, 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 unpleasant, unpleasant, neutral, unpleasant, 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 pleasant. We can feel them. The, there's so beautiful images in the suttas, the traditional image of these Vedana, our feeling tone, is if you're watching the rain fall into a puddle of water, and each drop, this is sort of softer rain, but if it was harder rain, each drop makes a bubble that rises and pops on the surface of the, of the pool. And that's just like these feeling tones. They're arising moment by moment, very quickly, bursting, another one comes. So it's helpful for our samadhi, this unification of mind, because it's a subtle element of our experience. Very subtle. So we can do some practice with it. Just play. If you find yourself feeling confused, the body is always your home base. Really good anchor. And it's a good place to start from as we're playing with Vedana. So you can settle into your posture if you're not already there. Kim did such a beautiful posture clinic, feeling that tripod, the sense of support from the ground up. And clear heavy, weighted into the earth. And a rising of the spine, feeling upright, awake. Feeling how the breath can move freely in this posture. Nice wide open front. Strong back. 
as you turn inside and feel the body, keeping your attention on what feels pleasant in the body. Maybe there's a gentle warmth in the belly. Or the kind of heaviness, groundedness in the legs. You might feel a kind of tingle or vibration in the hands or feet. And maybe it's just a little pleasant. Shining the light on pleasant feeling tone in the body. And this skill of finding the pleasant in your body is so useful. And so often we're drawn to the difficult. And whatever is painful draws our attention. But it can be very useful to turn to what's going well, what feels good. And we start to learn that even if there's a pain in the body, there might be some pleasant in another part of the body. A pleasant sense of uprightness. Maybe a tingle on the top of the head. Just turning to the pleasant. Resting there.
And now when you're ready, we'll tune our attention to what feels unpleasant in the body. And of course, your attention will probably go to the most painful thing. It might be an ache in the knees or a pinch between the shoulders. Whatever feels strained, tight. Notice how the attention is drawn right there. And then you might also get curious about sensations that are just slightly unpleasant in the body. Not the most painful thing, but maybe just a little tension in the neck or a sense of just a little too warm or too cool. And as we do this, stay very curious about how the mind is responding to unpleasant. And we're learning it's okay if there's aversion, if there's not liking. It's just important to see it. Notice if you can catch that sequence from simple, unpleasant sensation to not liking it in the mind. And see if you can also catch the gap between simple, unpleasant sensation and the mind's response to it. And as always in working with pain, we can stay curious, bring our mindfulness to the experience, investigate a little bit about the body and the mind's response, but always taking care not to get overwhelmed or flooded by the difficulty. And so noticing if it's time to shift position mindfully. There's compassion in responding skillfully to the difficult. And so we stay with it for a while. And when it's time, just gently shifting. And coming back to investigating this experience of even slightly unpleasant in the body.
And now we'll turn our attention to that which is neither pleasant nor unpleasant in the body. Sometimes the breath is a nice place to feel neutral Vedana. Simple in and out breath. And often throughout our day, if we're not doing breath meditation, we're not paying attention to the breath because it's so neutral. It's just happening. And so the breath, or maybe the sensations of pressure in the sit bones. And feeling your feet, maybe feeling your socks, maybe all of these are neutral. Noticing parts of the body that you might not necessarily notice because they're not calling your attention with strong, pleasant, or unpleasant. Can you be with neutral feeling tone, bring the light of your awareness to neutral sensation in the body? Sometimes when we observe neutral, it becomes pleasant or unpleasant. We start to tune in and we feel even subtle pleasant in the neutral. And this is okay. If neutral feels slippery, it's hard to put your finger on it, it's okay. Just keep noticing what feels subtle, what lies under our attention, so subtle we don't pay attention to it. Can we wake up to some of the more subtle sensations underlying the louder experiences in the body? Just the subtle movement of breath, the subtle sense of weight or coolness. Can we notice what we don't usually notice?
And now, just for the last few minutes of the meditation, you might open up to all three feeling tones. Staying in the body and noticing how pleasant and unpleasant and neutral they arise and pass like water bubbles. And you feel the momentary experience of Vedana. There's different valences arising and passing in the field of your body. Can you be with the pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral without the push and pull in the mind? Simply feeling the body, knowing the Vedana, and then resting back into that knowing without the mind latching on or pushing away.
Did you hear the pleasantness of the bell? And maybe the pleasantness of the meditation being over. So walking meditation is a wonderful way to practice with Vedana. Especially today with the weather, you can be very playful and light about observing Vedana as you walk. Is there a kind of pleasantness in slowing down all the pleasant visual stimuli around this environment? And also maybe the unpleasant, if you're going very slow, maybe there's effort in the legs to keep balanced, that might feel a little unpleasant. Or unpleasantness of the cold outside. Or the pleasantness of the rug under your feet. Or what's neutral. It can be so fun as you're walking to be like, what am I not seeing? And you can do this all day long, really noticing, what does the mind just gloss over? Because it's not pleasant or unpleasant. And throughout the day, see if you can notice, even in thoughts and emotions, their particular Vedana. Certain thoughts are pleasant, others are unpleasant. Same with emotions. And instead of then being driven wanting the pleasant thought, looking for more, can you simply just know this is pleasant and leave it there? So play around. See if you can find that little gap of freedom between the Vedana and the mind's reaction. We really do encourage you to do the walking. Uh, I know there's some good, good walkers out there. Um, even if it's not natural to you, I'll, I'll admit that for me, about the first 10 years of my practice, I just took a break during the walking periods. <laughs> and then something shifted, and I really got into slow walking, and I thought, oh my gosh, I've been missing out this whole time. <laughs> so really give yourselves to the walking practice. See if you can make those the most important sessions of your day. And go slow. I was telling a group yesterday, it can be nice when you start out to do a couple of back and forth at a normal pace. And then over the 30 or 45 minutes, let yourself slow, slow, slow down at your own pace. So that by the end of the session, you're going very, very slow. You can also play with it. Like how slow can you go and still keep moving? Noticing all of the effort, all of it, what it takes, you know, for the body to balance and stay upright. You could try walking backwards, play with that. Yeah, so bring your creativity, your curiosity to the walking. I think the hardest part, why it took me so long to love it, is that there's always an extra effort, like I should be doing something more than just walking. But it's so simple. All you have to do is just one foot in front of the other. That's it. Notice if there's a little extra effort and see if you can relax back. What would it be like if you just walked all day? 
You know, it's that very light application of effort so that you could actually walk all day. It takes less effort than we think. So do the walking, enjoy it. Just love the boredom of it. (laughs) Relish the simplicity. Yeah, walking's good. And play with Vedana. See what you find today. So we have some time for questions. And the recommendation is usually if you have questions um, and you have a group, to hold those questions and ask them in your group this morning. So for those who don't have a group, uh, any questions that you have, particularly related to practice, um, we're doing here, maybe hindrances or Vedana or body, uh, any questions coming up? Yeah, great. Thank you. Um, I was wondering about the pleasant emotion or feeling tone. Um, if we let those go, like, what are we trying to not cultivate oh. the positive, and is it just empty kind of? Like, That's a really good question. Really good question. So I'll just repeat it to make sure. So are we looking to actually let go of the pleasant and not cultivate? pleasant feeling tone to just be more neutral. Is that the, yeah. So it's a great question. And I think it's often a common misconception that meditation is about like letting go of all of the, the bigness of life, right? That we're mellowing out to settle more and more neutral. I would say it's quite the opposite. As we keep practicing and the mind gets more clear and in the moment, very strong Vedana comes and that's not bad right? We're not trying to erase that or get rid of strong experience. In some ways, meditation makes our experience stronger, more aliveness. What we are doing though, is cutting the like natural clinging to it, right? It's so natural and intuitive and just what we do. If something pleasant comes, we don't notice that it's pleasant. We just latch onto wanting it, wanting more. So the mindfulness of Vedana, I think this is why the Buddha made it a second foundation, such a big deal, is that if we're aware of strong pleasant, we don't have to be driven by the craving for it. We can live in a world with a lot of strong pleasant, a lot of strong unpleasant, and we remain unshaken. We simply know this is pleasant. We also know that it's going to pass, right? Because as we're aware of those water bubbles that are just pretty quick rising and passing, we start to relax back into that flow as opposed to trying to like hold on to it and keep it static when we know that it's changing. So as Eugene was saying, it's more alignment with reality. We start to pay attention to Vedana, but don't, I wouldn't judge the strong, pleasant. That's not bad. You know, sometimes it's actually very skillful. If we're struggling, we're having a hard time, look for the pleasant right? It'll really help balance. It's skillful to see the good. Um, So I'm glad you asked because sometimes we can get into this judgy sense of like, my experience is wrong. Not wrong. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. 
I was wondering if you could talk a bit more about the distinction between sloth and torpor and sleepiness that was alluded to last night. Yeah. Do you want to answer that one too, Ari? Okay. <laughs> we all know the hindrances. We know them really well. Yeah, so sloth and torpor, they're kind of the, they feel kind of old translations, you know, do we usually, we don't usually use that language. Um, it's a translation for the Pali Tina Mida, and it's kind of a two-part dullness. It's dullness in the body, sloth, right? You feel like a sloth. And then dullness in the mind, torpor, you know, that kind of dulling out. So sometimes we say it's sleepiness and dullness. Um, we're just in the area of translation here. And there's all kinds of different flavors of it, right? If you really pay attention, there's a kind of softening that's very pleasant. You can pay attention to the pleasant Vedana of sleepiness. Uh, sometimes it's more like a shutting out, you know, numbness, and then the mind just wants to like not pay attention. Um, it can be mostly in the body, right? Predominantly sloth and less torpor. I mean, just the body feels very heavy and the mind is noticing it. Or the body might feel very awake and the mind has torpor, you know, that kind of sluggish feeling. So we're all in the same area, same territory, but with the mindfulness, often the antidote is to get curious about sloth and torpor because its momentum is to not be curious, you know, to sort of shut down. But if you can be curious about, oh, what are all the different phases my mind goes through as it starts to fall asleep? And even from some of you yesterday, I was hearing, you know, sometimes there's bright colors and different, different images come or sort of half dreaming. And so all of that is great mindfulness practice. You know, can you stay mindful all the way through falling asleep on the cushion? It's great, you know? It's why is sleeps are so good. So you can practice with it. And again, as Tuari was saying, it's mostly just noticing and then being with and not judging, you know? Not a problem to be sleepy. Yeah. Okay. I have a question about Vedana, mm -hmm. which is like as one sitting, there might be like a pain in the shoulder, which is unpleasant, yeah, and sort of a more general sensation of calm, which is pleasant. Mm -hmm. And so, is it that both are arising at the same time, or that it's just going back and forth so quickly? It's <laughs> a great question that comes up often when we start to absor observe. So this one, different schools of Buddhism would answer that question differently. So if you're hearing from the Burmese school, that's very focused on moments of consciousness, they would say that it's actually just one Vedana at a time, but it's so quick, you know, flickering, that it feels like we're experiencing a few. But if we're really tuned in, you can feel that flickering of your attention between the shoulder and the calm, the shoulder and the calm. So it feels like both, but it's actually just very momentary experience. Sometimes that's true. 
Other times it can just really feel like awareness has room to hold all of this experience, right? Thai forest tradition would say more like, no, there's room for all of this to happen at once. Unpleasant, pleasant, neutral too. And the capacity to see that is very liberating also because then we're not completely stuck in the story of pain in the shoulder, right? Oh, wait, the mind is also very calm at the same time. What else is possible, you know? So it's sort of whatever frame, whatever definition works for you in the moment. I would go with that because the way we look determines what we see. That's an important one. And I think with Vedana in particular, it can open up. It's like all this stuff is happening that we don't notice. And the magic of practice is we keep hitting new layers of reality that we didn't, just didn't notice before, but it's been happening all along. So look for that. Yeah, it's a great question. Thank you. Yeah, right in front of you. Mm-hmm. You spoke uh, just now about spaciousness a little bit, and maybe you could talk a little bit more about how that might be accessed or used to deepen this examination of Vedana. Mm, that's a really good question about space. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, one frame for practice is that we're just creating more space around things. So especially if you take that frame of awareness, you know, being spacious, Vedana simply arising within awareness, then there's more room, more space to see the sequence. This is part of the 12 links of dependent origination where we have contact with an object there's a certain Vedana or valence to it, and then the mind is right on the track into craving and clinging. So we're creating more space between those links, which means the mind is more subtle. It sees contact, Vedana, then it doesn't have to go into clinging. So just that spaciousness between that sequence is part of what we're doing. And then there's the whole, like, when we get into working with emotions and thoughts, it's the same kind of feeling. That instead of staying sort of tight and contracted and identified with the story or whatever we think is happening in reality, mindfulness just opens up some breathing space. So, oh, there's other ways to look at this. Oh, there's other, you know, ways I could be experiencing. Or I'm in this story and at the same time I have this other thing happening. You see how it's sort of widening? I'll just give you one other simile from the suttas that's helpful. Is that The Buddha was saying, you know, if we have a small cup of water and we put a handful of salt in that cup of water, that water in the cup, only a little bit, is going to be very salty, you know, really salty, hard to drink. But if we have a lake, a huge lake of water, and we put a handful of salt in that lake, so much more room, right? The water is not going to be so salty. Maybe you can still drink it. And that's kind of what we're doing here in practice. The salt is difficulty or, you know, samsara, dukkha, the the unreliability, the difficulty in the world. And we're just growing our capacity to hold it, right? Instead of a cup of water, we're becoming like a lake or an ocean. There's just more room, more resiliency. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Maybe one more over here. 
I have a question about sleepiness and at nighttime. I don't find that. I know there's a pleasant feeling of that sleepiness. And when I get that pleasant feeling of sleepiness, I try to follow it, but then my mind, then the pleasant feeling of sleepiness goes away. And then I have insomnia. So could you talk about that or? Mm -hmm. How is the mind feeling about insomnia? (sighs) Not good. Not good. Unpleasant. Unpleasant. (laughs) Vedanas. So that's the key. Right? Even throughout that process, you can see pleasant of falling asleep, unpleasant of being awake when you want to be asleep. Notice how the mind then responds and doesn't like it. Because really, you're just awake. You know? That's it. That's all that's happening. When you're awake during the day, you don't not like it. Right? Right. So we're, again, creating space between just the unpleasantness of being awake or feeling tired and how the mind doesn't want that. So even at night or throughout the day, as you're noticing, I want things to be different. Can you go back to that simple building building block of Vedana? It's just unpleasant. And be with that rather than reacting to it. So you just play with that. You can change your story, right? Here, it's okay if you're awake at night because you can sleep during the day. You know, don't have to work. You're okay. You can take a nap. So play around with reversing the narrative about how much sleep we need or what's happening, what should be happening. Um, Here there's a lot of room, you know, for whatever's happening to be happening. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay. I'm going to turn to Daisy. Great. So I have a couple announcements I'm going to do here really quick. I'm going to start with the main one. This is our COVID test day. We are, uh, I want to give you the actual instruction. So while we've been in this hall, uh, the retreat coordinators have put out or taken uh, the COVID test to your room, to the space by your door. Um, So it should be outside the door when you, at the end of this session. Um, There are instructions that are provided there for you to take the test. um, And you can take the test in your room. If your results are positive, then uh, please go directly to the retreat office and speak to the retreat coordinator. So if if the test indicates that you have COVID, then go directly to the retreat office and uh, let the retreat coordinator know. And then they have all kinds of protocols of how to handle all of that. Um, If your result is negative, you don't need to do anything with it until lunchtime and bring the tests with you to lunch. And there's going to be a retreat coordinator or a volunteer there when we go through the lunch line um, to check the results and check your name off the list before you go into the dining hall. Um, If you need any assistance on taking the test, just go to the retreat coordinator's office and they will assist you. So um, you don't have to go and immediately take your test right now. It just has to be done by lunchtime. Um, If everyone tests negative, then the mask will be optional, like we said. And uh, the retreat coordinators will post a sign 
uh, right there on the note board, uh, the bulletin board after the 345 sit. So that's how we'll know. Um, any questions about that? Everybody feel like they're going to be okay with this? Okay, good. And then I want to introduce Amy Wong. Um, uh, they're going to serve as the retreat uh, support associate, what Mia was doing during this retreat. Um, they're, the retreat associates are here on call for urgent medical and emotional situations. And so you can just uh, contact them with a phone in any of the dorms there. Uh, Amy will be here tonight until 6 p.m. And then Mia will be back at 6 p.m. So thank you so much, Amy. Appreciate you. Uh, the affinity sit for today is uh, BIPOC. And for those of you that don't know what BIPOC means, it's black people, indigenous people, and anyone who self-identifies as a person of color. And so you'll be meeting um, in the at 5 o'clock. At the 5 o'clock sit there in the um, uh, council house. Anyone, everyone should have their name on that sheet for a practice meeting today. So if you did not have your name up there yesterday and your name is not up there today, I need to know. I have one name that was not yesterday and is um, not on the sheet today. So we will work that out. But is there anyone else that uh, knows their name is not on the sheet? Okay, so good. And then lastly, um, do check your products if you can. Uh, if you brought some personal products here, because um, there are a, a couple people here on this retreat that I know of that are having sensitivities to fragrance. And so you, you, we have to almost check these products because we're so used to the smell of it that we don't smell it. Or it may be that we use some fabric softener or soap at home, and we can't tell that there's a fragrance on us. But I think there is a fragrance in the hall. And so um, if we just take a moment to see if we can um, tell if there's a fragrance there. And then if you notice that one of the products you brought has a fragrance to it, you can always switch it out and get one in the retreat coordinator's office. All right. I think that's all I have. Do you have something, Eugene? Yes. Uh, Krista... Are you here, Krista? Hi, Krista. Could we meet at 11.45? Thank you. Room two. So the allies sit here. That's how we do it. Allies sit here, BIPOC sit there. And they were sitting together. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.